Hey, what's going on, family? Welcome to another episode of The Finance Bruh, where we have real conversations with real people about money. Today, got another special guest on the show. Uh, I've known Joffrey since, what, 2010, when we went to NAPS together, um, and we've been kicking it ever since. You know, we went through the academy all the way together, had the same major, uh, robotic control, control systems engineering. Um, we had the same sponsor family. Shout out to Becky. She took care of a lot of us while we were in college. You know, she's the, she's the GOAT, whether she knows it or not. Shout out to Big Mike, too um shout out to little sis Lacey all of them really took us in and we were able to do a lot of things and grow and get out of uh, a lot of depressing situations while we were stuck at the academy um and got very close because of it so very happy to have him on the show today and spread the knowledge that he has and that he has a wealth of it in different um areas so before we get too far into the show g please introduce yourself my brother what's going on y'all uh joffrey whiteside originally from columbus ohio uh, shout out to the 614. Um, <laughs> like he said, we met at the academy. Uh, but before that, you know, started playing football real, real young. And that's how we kind of met up at, at NAPS up in Newport. Um, right now, I'm a owner of a real estate team, uh, top 2% in the Hampton Roads area. Let's um, go. Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I own a, a cafe, uh, working on owning a, a title company. And I also own a, a lot of uh, rentals, uh, short-term rentals, medium-term rentals, multifamilies, and things like that. Ah, love to hear it. Love to hear it. So, you know, G, the purpose of this show is um, I like to have conversations in regards to money, right? So I know with you being in real estate, I want to kind of jump into this, talking about um, the market right now. You know, everybody's going crazy about interest rates going back up and um, they don't know they, the housing shortage and all of these things. They feel like they can't get what they want. Can you talk about the conditions or the market that you've seen right now and how it's affecting people? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I always say, you know, if you think back a year ago where it was just impossible to get a house unless you put like 10 to, I would say, $30,000 down cash in order to guarantee you will get that house. Right now, it's not really like that. It's still a seller's market. But right now is a perfect time for buyers to get in where it's not as competitive. You don't have to bring as much cash to the table. And you can even uh, kind of finesse the situation by putting down more money towards your interest rate to lower that interest rate. So I would say it's definitely opportunity right now. A lot of people are scared uh, to buy right now, but um, reality has it that um, the demand is still high and inventory is still low. Okay. All right. So that's good. And I've seen, I actually saw a, um, an article talking about how, even though interest rates are much higher than we've been used to the past couple of years, they're still below the actual average interest rate that has been around. Yep, absolutely. Uh, historically speaking, um, we're still below in the eighties. It was like, I think like 10, I even seen some as high as 16%. So historically we are still low. And like I said, there's different things you can do uh, to lower that interest rate. You can even, in certain situations, get the seller to buy down that rate. So there's definitely ways around it. You just have to uh, think outside of the box and kind of get creative. Um, because, you know, once interest rates dip back down, we're going to be back to square one with people having to, you know, guarantee like 30K in cash just to even get in a decent place. Mm, okay. All right. So appreciate that. So for the next question, I have is, you know, <clears throat> there's a, I know I work with a lot of people. Most of my clients are trying to buy homes and 
uh, it's, it's going to be interesting having this conversation with someone who's a real estate agent, because I know a lot of mistakes that I see people make, like they don't have enough money saved. Um, they have, you know, a lot of bad things on their credit report, charge-offs, mispayments, all of these things. And they don't do the proper preparation to make sure that they give themselves the best chance of getting the home that they want, right? So for you as a real estate agent, what's, what are some things that you, mistakes that you see home buyers make and how can they prevent making those issues or mistakes in the future? Uh, like, like you said, like it starts with your personal finance, right? The better your personal finances, the lower your like rate's going to be, the easier uh, you're going to be able to purchase a home, the more, you know, a buying power you're going to have. So it literally all starts with like personal finance. They go hand in hand, like building your real estate portfolio definitely um, has a big play into personal finance. So some of the mistakes I've seen people make is typically in, in cars, you know, they they get these high loans for, for cars or even abusing credit cards. I see that a lot. And I see that uh, in, a, in some of my clients that's, that's prevented them from getting that lower rate or even prevented them from, you know, actually purchasing a house. And that's because uh, one, I'm assuming the debt to income ratio uh, is probably too high with all yep, of the things. Absolutely. Um, and now, you know, I talk about a lot because I think a lot of people, forget that the debt to income ratio exists a lot of them you know think that hey i have a you know a qualifying credit score i'm good and it's like no nah, it doesn't really work that way yeah there's so, a lot of different a lot of different factors that uh, go into you know uh buying a home so talking to to realtors i know that one of the things they always stress is that people should come to them with a pre-approval letter in hand can you explain why that would be more beneficial to the client and to you? Yeah, I would, I would first say, say um, they should come with a pre-approval before they start actually like looking at houses because you're going to be wasting everybody's time if, you know, if you're not pre-approved and you're out here searching for houses. So I highly recommend before you start searching for anything. Now you can find a real estate agent and say, hey, do you know any good like loan officers? Because ultimately um, the loan officers do uh, play a big role um, in the successful closing of your house. I, I've met some terrible loan officers that, you know, really didn't go that extra mile for the clients and they mm -hmm. ended up losing a deal. And I, on the other spectrum, I met some awesome loan officers who, you know, would literally, you know, give up some of their pay just to make the deal go through and look out for uh, the person. So mm -hmm. I, I definitely think it's, um, it's important to have that pre-approval either way, just so you can know how much you can afford and uh, well, not necessarily afford because just because you're approved for an amount doesn't mean you should necessarily buy at that amount. And I see mm, that a lot in military. That's a good point. Yeah, and, and my clients, it's like, oh, oh, Joffrey, I want to look at this $600,000 house. And I'm like, whoa, like, let's be smart about this. You have to begin with the end in mind. This is not gonna, if you're, you know, if you're an incident in the Navy, this is not gonna be your forever home. I'm sorry, mm -hmm. you're, gonna, you're gonna move stations, you're gonna do diff different things. Um, so I always recommend them to think with the end in mind. What does, you know, the, the rental income for the place look like? What are you gonna do after it? What type of neighborhood are you you buying in and stuff like that, so. Mm. So that's a, that's a good point <clears throat> that you hit on because a lot of people will see that they are, approved for that $600,000 home. And that's the only thing that they want to go for not realizing, Hey, 
that payment that you're going to pay, right? One of the things I tell people when it comes to getting a home is, hey, your payment shouldn't be any more than 25 to 35% of your monthly income. Mm-hmm. A lot of people will be like, oh, no, I can afford it. And it's 44, 45% of their monthly income. That's going to change the way you do everything else with your home. And judge, depending on how the rest of your finances are ran, you might end up living paycheck to paycheck or worse because you didn't calculate or plan for that in the beginning. So I think that's, it hits into like the mind state thing, I think, um, in regards to, you know, pride and feel like, oh, I deserve it. I should have this. This is the image that I want to portray. I want everybody to know that I'm doing well. But like you said, you got to begin with the end in mind. And, you know, I don't care, you know, if you got a $600,000 house or a $250,000 home, you know, like it's your home. I don't live in it. You know what I'm saying? I don't need to be impressed as long as you're doing what you need to do. And yeah. I think that a lot of people have to get that into their mental and understand that because I think a lot of people do things to impress people instead of doing things that are going to set them up for the future. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's my job to kind of like snap them, them out of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, which is, which is good because, you know, the work, the work, last thing you want, and I know it's a, anytime you're working with clients, it's a sticky, it can be, turn into a sticky situation because even though your job is to guide them at the end of the day, the decision is still theirs, right? Yep, but absolutely. when they realize that they made the wrong decision, a lot of people aren't good with self-accountability and they're going to do what, go back and say, you steered them wrong, right? So these are the things that I think people can start implementing beforehand to make sure that they're giving themselves the best shot at, you know, getting what they need to be successful. Yep, absolutely. You're absolutely right. So <clears throat> now we spoke about mistakes and you know how someone can give themselves the best shot at getting a home because there's more there's more things to like you know budgeting I tell people all the time like yo if you going into if you want to purchase a home um and typically the largest expense for anybody right is their home what they're paying whether it be rent or a mortgage that's typically your largest largest expense but I'm sure you've seen a lot of people I've seen a lot of people that want to buy a home and don't even maintain their own budget right they don't know what their spending habits are like they don't know where their money's going. They just feel like, oh, I make this much. I should be able to do this. And it's like, no, it doesn't work like that. You have to put some pre-planning in ahead of time. Because if I know that, hey, I don't want to spend any more than, you know, 30% of my monthly income, I'm going to uh-huh. tell you, hey, I can't, I'm going to look for a house that has a mortgage within this range. Yep. And like, that's going to help me and help you because we're not going to waste any time. And for anybody that knows how valuable time is, don't nobody want to waste that. So, um, there's a lot of a lot of things in that manner that I like to hit on. So <clears throat> now in Virginia, I know things things differ by the state, right? So what what are what do most of your clients? Are they mostly military? Do you get a mix? Like what is that like? Um, most of our clients are it's about half military and just half investors, just in general. Um, just because of the type of area we live in, you know, the, the biggest military city in the world. Um, so a, a lot of them are, you know, first time home buyers or even, you know, second time home buyers. So um, I, I guess this is kind of a, a, a niche client to, to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, I love working with them because um, they're typically um, go in above and beyond in like understanding stuff and, and things like that. And they really want to uh, even get past like buying their first house. They really want to, you know, buy that second and third house and, and do it in the correct method. Mm. So <clears throat> you mentioned real estate investing. I know you you uh, invest in real estate, you know, actually a lot of us do. But for you, 
what tips would you give someone who is looking at trying to start getting into real estate investment or investing? Um, honestly, I would say um, you always have to start with some type of sacrifice, right? What does that mean? That means, you know, if you purchase a house, um, that means you might have to have roommates to kind of get in, mm. get ahead of the ball as far as like cash flow is concerned. Uh, a lot of people can't afford to buy, you know, that we were just talking about, you know, purchasing like a six unit uh, here, but a lot of people can't afford that type of property right off the back. So what do they have to do? They have to buy that single family home and have roommates and maybe do Airbnb while they're gone or medium term rentals. They have to do that uh, unorthodox type of uh, renting to get ahead so they eventually can purchase that multifamily in the future. Mm. So <clears throat> sacrifices, that's a, that's a, that's a big one. Cause a lot, you know, you hear, especially leaving college, a lot of people would, ah, I can't have a roommate. I need my own space. Blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's like, bro, <laughs> you don't understand the bigger picture. Like yep. even me, me and trust live together. We don't have to, but it's like, Hey, here's where we yep. need to be. We can do this this much faster. If we yep. both just sacrifice do it. And it's not really a sacrifice. We actually have a lot of a good time, which people, if you get the right person, it's not really a sacrifice, right? Of course, everyone wants their own space, but that's just boundaries, right? You can set those. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that's one of the biggest things. And we push that to a lot of the young guys at the academy coming out. Like, hey, you a young second lieutenant. We have one guy, he's coming, he's going to be an uh, artillery officer. Hey, yeah, purchase a home. However, you should have, if you got a three-bedroom, those other two should be rented out. He's like, oh, you know, well, I know personally as an artilleryman, you're going to be in the field at least two weeks out of the, out of the month. Yeah. Oh, you might as well have the house doing something for you because you're going to be sleeping in the woods. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, I didn't really think of it that way. I know, right? When you get these people, oh, you got to say, okay, well, you you foot that 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 full mortgage. But mm -hmm. if you had, you know, at least one, now instead of paying $1,600 a month, you're paying $800. Yeah. It's like, now what can you do with that extra $800 of cash flow every month? I can tell you one, you could at least save it. Yeah. So it's a... That's a, that the sacrifices piece is huge. And I always hit on that, but that, I think that's very big when it gets to this too. If people think, you know, when they get their own home, it's like, oh, this is mine. I, no one else can be in it. It's like, no, it's, you're not going to, I can guarantee you won't be in this house for 30 years. You need to yep. use this thing as a tool to further you where you need to be. Absolutely. And that's that you hit the nail on the head on that one. Uh, when I first got here, um, I, I shared a house with, you know, Jabari, mm -hmm. I shared a house with Jabari for a year and then bought my own house. And then eventually had had roommates. So and then from there went on deployment. Decided you know I didn't want to them to stay in there. They were a little wild. You know, <laughs> and, uh, and um what's it called? Uh, I forget his name. Um, AK. Oh. Um, I didn't want to. I didn't want to leave them in the house. So yeah. Decided to do Airbnb uh, when I was on deployment, and I came back to you know 60 k cash, and that really excelled. You know my uh investment portfolio and, and it, even when i came back uh when when i had you know when i could have been staying in the house i was still doing airbnb so i was actually like living on the ship so you talk about sacrifice you've been on the ship before i was actually living on the ship during the summertime because my house was rented out so that's what i'm talking about that's um, a sacrifice yep yeah, exactly like that's a sacrifice <laughs> <on> the <laughs> hey boy anybody that's listening to this and you've been on a a, a a u.s warship is not the best place to sleep not especially when you know you got a 
a, a whole house at home that could be very comfy for you. But that's, I feel like that's one of the best examples that I've seen of like making that sacrifice to reach the, you know, the goal that you want. Cause you could have done all of these things that you were doing right now, but it probably would have took another five, six, yeah. seven years for you to get there. Whereas opposed to, I made this short sacrifice Yep. And now here I am because I talk to people um, about, you know, making a short-term sacrifice for a long-term reward. Yeah. You know, I, I want this conversation to keep, and I'm glad you're having the conversation with people as well, because it really needs to be um, depicted. But the best way to do it is for people to see it. Like people have seen you, you know, with the, with a home that you could sleep in It's like, Oh, why are you sleeping on the ship? You have a house. You're right. That house is doing what it needs to do for me and making me some money. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Because, you know, people are like, oh, well, this house is my asset. Well, I mean, a house is an asset, right? However, it's more of an asset if it's making you money, right? So if you're putting the mortgage and it's costing you $1,600 every month, I mean, yeah, on, on paper, it's an asset, but really, I mean, it's still an expense for you every month. Yep, it's still a liability at the end of the day, unless it's an investment property making you money. Yeah, right? Or, yeah. or if your house hacking is making you money, then it's an asset. Yeah, but yeah. Your typical normal house is a liability if you don't have a roommate. So it's just, it is what it is. So for anybody out here looking for a way to move forward, get you some roommates. I know a lot of people ain't going to hear that, but that's one of the best ways to get about it. And you know, you can have a process, you can write up leasing agreements, you can have all of that stuff to make sure that the sacrifice isn't costing you too much, right? But you know, you gotta be able to see the bigger picture. And that's one of the best ways to do it. Like, I mean, couple rooms there was times where i wasn't paying a mortgage at all mm -hmm. and it was like oh i can i can get with this yeah i would love to have my own space but me having this this mortgage payment every month that i'm taking and putting somewhere else mm -hmm. yeah whatever i'll deal with that later because yeah. it, it wasn't it for everything so that's that's pretty dope so you know i know you yourself are into real estate investing um and specifically i know you were in the airbnb so what made you get into airbnbs um, I stayed in one and they were charging like $400 a night. And then that just like sparked my interest. So I was like, you know, I can, I could try to do it out, out of my townhouse that I own. So I did that, set up the systems and stuff like that, made like 60 K cash in my first year. And then it's, it's pretty much been, you know, downhill from there. I scaled fairly, fairly quickly. Um, people always ask me how many like units I own, but to be honest with you, I, like, I literally hate that question. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's not about how many units you own. It's about, you know, profits. Let's say somebody owns a, a hundred units, right? And only profits. And it, like, they own the hundred units with like, you know, I don't know, like 50 different people. And they're only profit, mm -hmm. like, I don't know, 30K a year, which is good. But I think people need to focus on not the number of units, but the actual profit from those, you know, properties mm. um i met with a guy yesterday he was like i want to i want 50 units in three years and i was like okay how much like passive income do you want and he was like i i don't know i was like well why are you counting like units units doesn't necessarily equal to like pay so mm. that's, that's what i love to like express and you know i built my profile well above you know six figures and profit um in the last uh six years so Oh, that's that's kind of my story. Um, fo focusing more on Airbnbs. Now I'm moving into like bigger multifamilies and still doing Airbnbs out of those multifamilies or even like medium term rentals, um, which is, you know, traveling nurses and stuff like that. So 
I, I get, I buy properties based off of their long-term rental value and appreciation in mind. And then I do creative things like maybe rent, rent them out by the room if I'm in a military town or do Airbnb uh, and things like that. So that's, that's kind of the gist of my uh, profile right now. Oh, that's, that's awesome. That's also <clears throat> when you, if, if there were a per, was a person that was trying to get into uh, maybe getting their first Airbnb, what, mm-hmm. how would you tell them to start? Um, I would tell them to seek out somebody who, who's done it before, mm-hmm. especially in that specific area, because there's different laws and different rules for, for every area. So I would literally network with somebody who has done it in that area and has done it successfully and I would just pick their brain or you know ask how you can add value to them and you know uh, do it that way so I would definitely seek out mentors and um, read books there's not many books on Airbnb so you you mostly would be seeking out like um, mentors and things like that to kind of like walk you through um, you know what they messed up because I had a ton of mistakes that I made Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I mentor, I mentor people myself, so they don't make those same mistakes. So <clears throat> when they, with the, with the Airbnb, you know, you started with just one, would you recommend starting with like a single family home or multifamily? Like, is there, how would you, how did you go about it? Like, what was your criteria for getting started? I know it was a learning experience, right? So it was, do you feel like the first, the first property that you turned into an Airbnb, uh, was the right one? Um, I don't think it, the first property I bought was actually like a terrible deal because, um, the HOA was super high. Mm. So it was like around like $400 a month. So it wasn't like, uh, really a smart buy, but I made it work. I got, I got 60 K cash off of it. Um, so I would say, um, do focus on what type of property. Typically you don't want to do like any type of, uh, townhouses or condos or even houses that have HOA or you know POAs or anything like that any type of fees they're gonna be against Airbnb yeah I, I saw that because when I got um a town home and I wanted to turn it into an Airbnb and you know reading the bylaws for the HOA which if you if you are listening to this and you say somewhere with an HOA and you haven't read the bylaws read the bylaws all right um but I saw in there it said no short-term leases under 30 days which is like their way of saying no Airbnbs right so that that's because if I would have known that beforehand, I probably wouldn't have got that property. Now, granted, it's a um, it's a long term rental now, uh, which is cool, but it's not necessarily what I wanted because the cash flow isn't as high. Um, but, you know, had I been able to get that information beforehand and now that's a learning experience for me. Right. Like now I know, hey, if there's somewhere I'm going to ask for, hey, is there an HOA? Cool. Let me read the bylaws before I even get into the point of trying to purchase this place. So anybody listen, that'd be good for you too. If you're interested in the property and you're looking at maybe doing something like an Airbnb, make sure you read the bylaws for that place with the HOA before you put any money down to make sure that you're not putting yourself in a position where you can't execute the plan that you have for yourself. Yep, absolutely. And 99% of the time, they're going to be against it. So that's just a a good good rule of thumb. Don't mess around with the HOAs. Yeah, nah, man. Nah, we can't do that. So um, with another thing with the airbnb so i know like you have one um y'all have one that y'all picked that everyone was worried about how airbnbs were going to do specifically over a time like COVID 19 um and i know y'all had one specifically the one with the pool that actually did very well during COVID 19 which i think was a very 
uh, somebody, even when y'all first got it, before all of that stuff hit, I was like, wow, this is a good spot. Like it was near the beach. It has its own saltwater pool maintenance. Like how, what made y'all choose that one? And then how did that decision to choose that one help y'all during the pandemic? Um, so we chose that one. We actually found that one. This was like, you know, five years ago when you can like actually find decent properties like on Zillow and they weren't like flying off of the market. So we purchased that one, I believe for 169. Um, it's today it's worth about 270. So hundred K in equity already in there. Um, but honestly it was like centrally located, not too far from the beach, not too far from the airport. So that was a plus. Um, as far as like COVID-19 is concerned, like all of our houses lost all of the bookings. As soon as COVID-19 hit, all of our house houses just lost all bookings, right? Oh, um, and yeah, and this is go to this goes to say, uh, me and my partner uh, Q, we weren't really worried because we had you know three to six months of emergency funds. Mm. Like, that actually like saved us because we own uh, we own some properties. So if all those mortgages would have been due, due we didn't want to have no emergency fund. We would have been in trouble. We would have been behind. That's a lot of mortgages to cover. Um, so that really like saved us like during COVID-19. Then when, you know, a little further down the road, things start opening back up and we, we were booked uh, pretty much all, all summer because people wanted to get away, but they wanted to essentially uh, not stay in a public place like a hotel. Um, but the only reason we were able to, you know, survive and thrive was because of that emergency fund, like literally saved us. When COVID hit, all those bookings uh, went away. We were just like, all right, like, we'll just we'll just wait it out and see. And we even took it a step further and had had backup plans. Um, so mm -hmm. we converted a lot of our short term rentals into uh, renting by the room. So literally military town, you got a lot of government contractors. We literally uh, rented out each room in, in a couple of our houses and that kind of uh, balanced out the mortgage and even made us money. Um, so you, you just have to have, you know, uh, emergency funds and, and an exit strategy slash backup plan. I think that's important in, in real estate. It'll really save you because over time, yeah, real estate is going to go up, down, but over time, you know, it's like this. It's one of the best investments. So, you know, <clears throat> I, I love that you bought up an emergency fund because, you know, I, <laughs> this conversation gets, gets interesting with some people because they don't understand why they need to have money to set to the side. They can't touch for anything. So it's not a savings and yeah. it's not for me to like, just go out and touch it when I, oh, I need some extra cash. Like, no, the name is in the title. It's for yeah. emergencies. And that's things like this is why, like, you know, <clears throat> they're like, well, if this month, what, what qualifies as an emergency? Well, if one, if you have an, lost your job and you have the ability, you lose the ability to pay your mortgage or your rent, but you have 12 month emergency fund there, you know that you have a year to cover everything while you figure something else out, right? Like, yep, yep. And you'll figure something out in a year. You can typically figure out something out in a couple months, but yeah, especially because if you're the type of person that's done the planning to get yourself built up to have that, you know, adequate emergency fund, you're probably the type of person that ain't going to have a hard time finding a solution. But having that emergency fund there took the stress off. It's like, okay, the money's there because I don't have to worry about where the money's going to come from. Now I can focus on the plan to get this thing going where I need to. It takes a lot of stress off your mental by having that in place. Yep, absolutely. And I never thought like I would even like use my emergency fund. I was one of those people like, I'm gonna have it, but like, when am I ever gonna use it? And it, it, 
the short <laughs> came into play. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's good, right? You know, like one of the things we said in the Marine Corps at the time is, yo, I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Yeah. Right? And I think that's what a lot of people need to bring into their mindset when it comes to personal finance. You know, it's, hey, I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it, right? Like, hey, that emergency fund, yeah, could you have fun with that? You know, if it t- if it's 30 grand that, uh, for your expenses for a year for living and you just have that 30 grand and, you know, it doesn't even have to be in a regular savings account. Like you could take your emergency fund, say you need 30 grand for a year of expenses. You could put it in a high interest savings account, something like where it's, it's there, you can access it, but it's not making the same, you know, low interest that you get in a regular savings account. You know what I'm saying? But it's there for if you need it during an emergency, but it can also accrue some interest for you in the meantime. So it'll grow. So here's some things like that, but I, oh man, I, I'm really glad to hear that you brought up the emergency fund. I, just a lot of people struggle with understanding why it's so important to have that. And I think that's a great example of why it's important because that could have yeah. went very different if you guys didn't have those emergency funds. And like, now you're scrambling, trying to do extra stuff. And it's like, oh, what well, robbing Peter to pay Paul. And it's like, all right, we'll pay this one. And maybe this one. And that's a stressful thing. I'm getting stressed thinking about it. Can't do it. Yeah, that, It would have been bad. It would have been bad. <laughs> it would have definitely been bad. It would have definitely been bad. But yeah, I mean, it, it just based off a of percentage, something like what, 68% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. So, which is yeah. ridiculous. So don't do that. That's not being, that's not being wealthy. So there's a lot of people on Instagram just, you know, dead broke, just living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. No, a trap. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a trap, you know, and living paycheck to paycheck is not where you want it. But also, you know, <clears throat> there's a certain mentality that goes with that as well, right? Like, I'm not going to walk around with, you know, Gucci socks on and a, and a Chanel belt and all these other, you know, that's money that I could put into something that's going to do something for me later. Right. Like, and there's a time where, you know, if you could afford it and you could do it, it's cool. But yep, the problem absolutely. is I see a lot of people that I know should be <laughs> focusing on other things that have these things. And like, yo, I don't even have this. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I know we've had conversations like, but they just can't get, Oh, I deserve it's that it's that I want it now. So I'm gonna get it now. And mm-hmm. not having the ability to like, Hey, here's where I need to get to first before I start looking at doing things like this. And because they don't provide that separation and those guidelines for themselves, they end up in a bad position. It's like, yo, you know, a lot of people, Oh, I need, I, I need to make more money. Like I'm, I'm not making enough money. No more. A lot of times I've worked with people, I'd say right now, I'd say at least 96% of the people I work with that claim that they needed more money didn't need more money. What they needed was to change their mindset and change their financial habits because they actually made more than enough money to save and do all the things they needed. Yeah, they just, save, invest. A lot of people don't realize like the, the sacrifice at the end of the day is just what it is. It'll, it'll get you that far ahead in life. Like if you just um, just delay that gratification um, of, you know, taking those trips and, and stuff like that so uh, yeah yeah it's you know <clears throat> delayed gratification you know but it, it it's interesting because i know you probably have a lot of conversations with people as well and you know when you got them like hey look i understand what you want but you know i don't think that's the best thing for you right now and that's because you have this 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 you need to have a plan for this and i try to t- like having a plan and i you know i've i've noticed i feel like that's one of the things I'm thankful for the military for is like, it really taught us how to plan. Right. Um, because I, I realized that a lot of people really don't know how to plan for themselves. 
And because they don't know how to plan for themselves, they constantly in situations that make them feel stressed out and they can't do enough. But it's like, yo, you got to sit down and really, hey, where do I want to be in a year? All right, what do I need? Where I want to be in five years? All right, what are the steps that need to happen now to get me to that point and to that next point? They haven't mapped out anything for themselves and they kind of just flying by the seat of their pants. But then they surprise when things don't work, when they when they don't get qualified for the home loan. When they yep. get denied for the, to the for the loan for their car, when you know they're they they can't get these collections accounts off of their credit report because they want to have the score they want. It's like no, the time if you were maintaining yourself and had a plan and getting all these things right when you needed to, you would qualify. Also, yep. you can't jump in from having you know a full fully negative financial picture to purchasing a home. Right, there's certain requirements that are in place for a reason, right? Like no one wants that, the, the housing bubble, the market crash and what like 08 to happen again, you know? And yep. we know that's because people were writing bad, you know, substandard loans and all of yep. these things to people who couldn't afford them. Mm-hmm. Now they're not doing that. So the best thing that we can do is do everything we can do to put ourselves in a position to qualify. Hey, make sure we have a, a budget, make sure that we ha- are paying our bills on time, you know, make mm-hmm. sure we uh we have an emergency fund. Make sure that we have a savings, right? Like even I had a conversation with people like, yo, when you purchase a home, the last thing you want to do is well, there's a few things. One, don't make any large purchases before you close on the home, right? Yeah. <laughs> like that's one of the big ones. I've heard. Have you have you had that happen before? I actually, I, I've had a couple conversations with this, with people. I actually one dude actually bought a boat the day before he's supposed to close, and they and they and he didn't get the loan. Yeah, I had a couple clients buy cars. Thankfully, like they made enough credit was super good. So they just kind of had to fill out something. But yeah, I had people buy cars before. Never had anybody actually lose a loan. But that's because like their their other stuff was excellent. Right. Yeah. If you're out there listening, do not make any big purchases before you close that loan. You can literally do it the day after. But don't do it before. Yeah. Yeah. You know it. Why you wait, you know what I'm saying? You wait, you don't need the boat right now. You don't need the car right now. Even if you know that, hey, if I do this, I still fall in the range. I don't even want the question to come up. I'll wait the extra couple of days because I need to sign this paperwork to make sure I'm closed. And then I'll go do what I need to do. Yeah, um, but that's a that's a huge, uh, a huge piece when it comes to that. So also you talked about, um, you know, making making sacrifices right so <clears throat> one of the things i remember when we was at the academy that someone told me one time so i remember we were there and you know we see when social media was becoming more of a big thing right instagram was starting to become popular yeah, we sound old right now all these <laughs> things um but i remember i i was upset one time because like yo all my friends are out here and they're living you know this it seems like this lavish life they're parties they're having fun they're they're getting nice things they're going around they're taking trips and like we sitting there like staring through the me actually being you half the time we staring through the gates of the academy because we can't leave waiting for the dude to pull up with our jimmy johns like yeah. <laughs> on the bike so it's like i remember i was talking to someone one time and i was like hey look i'm not really happy here like i see all my friends out here doing stuff i want i should be doing that and he told me he was like hey 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 young bro um i need you to understand that right now you you're making a sacrifice now so that you can have fun later he was like you know you see everybody it looks like they're having a good time right now but when y'all graduate school and y'all get you know living life i guarantee you 
you're going to be thankful for this sacrifice that you made right now. You know, I, what I, 20, 20, 21, 22, I'm, bro, I ain't trying to hear that, bro. I want to go turn up. And it's like, yeah. but, you know, I remember what I never forget one day, yeah, you know, kind of midway into my Marine Corps career, it just hit me. And I was like, he was right. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that five years of sacrifice that we made going to that school, not being able to do all the things that we wanted to do really set us up in a position to be um, in a better spot in adult life. And it was like, wow, I, but I couldn't see that at the time. But if he would have never said that to me, I would have never had that reference. Right. And so that's, I try to tell people that when it comes to personal finance, yo, take this couple, you know, two, three, four, maybe five years to get your stuff in order and to get where you need to be. Because after that, yo, the world is really your oyster. Like you just have to do the, the work up front. Like it's okay. You, you don't need to go to brunch every day. You don't need to go and gamble on one of these sites for shoes every week. Right. Like, you know, you don't have to stay in a, in a $2,500 uh, studio apartment when you can, you know, stay somewhere else that fits more within your budget. Right. Like, and <clears throat> understanding the, that these sacrifices are only going to set you up to be able to do more quicker is, is important. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> now along with, you know, real estate and you have your Airbnbs, I know that you also um, ended up opening up. So you have like a, a hookah lounge in, in Ohio, right? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So we have me and my brother in Q, we acquired that uh, lounge earlier this year. Um, and it's been, it's been, it's been pretty, uh, uh, pretty good. Um, just different learning experience with, you know, running the actual, you know, cafe uh, and things like that. But we're, we're definitely getting it up off the ground and it's, it's been uh, a pretty good moneymaker for us. So. so what made y'all get into that? Was it more just to diverse, diversify? Because I know like you have properties, like, you know, I have other things and like not a restaurant. Is that just like truly a diversification thing or y'all just like, hey, we're just going to give it a shot? Um, honestly, the opportunity just like presented itself. Um, my friend's real estate partner, he lived in Columbus and he had to go back to Morocco. Um, so he had to sell the business and he uh, hit on my brother and was like, hey, you want to buy the business? So it was a matter of just uh, the right opportunity. Um, and thank God we had like the cash on hand for that type of stuff. Um, and that's go and that goes to say, like, if you have like money set aside, there is no rush. Like, wait for the right deal like I had no idea I was gonna buy like a, a cafe but the right deal presented itself and we were ready and we moved on it like in, in two days like we were drawing up contracts and oh wow like that for it so um yeah that's that goes to say do not rush if you have you know a large sum of money it's okay to take your time and uh look for good investments we were looking for like real estate at the time right but that presented itself and it was it was a it was a home run deal so we we went with it so would you say that patience is one of the tenets of like your invest investing like you you will always remain patient and it's like hey this isn't where i exactly wanted to be i'm comfortable enough to wait to where it gets to where i need to be before i make take action on that yeah exactly so um i like to wait and like until it's at least like somewhat of a home run deal right like I'm not quick to do anything, but when that deal comes up, um, it, it'll take just a matter of a day or two. It's not like I'm thinking about it. Oh, I got to get, I got to gather this money. No, like when the deal arise, arise and like 
it's it's pretty quick. Like you got to be ready to go. Um, so, <clears throat> would you say that you're able to do that because you take the time to make sure that all of your stuff is organized, your finances, your paperwork, everything is organized. So when you need to access it, you know exactly where it's at. Yeah, absolutely. That I mean, that goes into like buying a property now because when you get so many properties, like <laughs> you have to be organized or yeah. you're not going to be able to uh, apply for any more because you got to file taxes and, and different type of stuff. But if you don't have your stuff squared away, then you're going to be you can't expand if you're not organized with your finances, even if you like have the means. If you're not organized, it won't work. You'll get yeah. denied the loans. You won't have the correct paperwork you won't have this you won't have that it's just like trust me it's it's definitely uh came about where i was like oh i'm glad i had this or even if i didn't have it it's like man i gotta get more organized in this field so i'm squared away from the next time so it definitely pays to just have all of your you know ducks in a row to be honest and it's personal and that's business that's that's anything so <clears throat> how do you if you if someone was on here right now and they were wondering how they could get started with getting their stuff organized, like what would you recommend to them? Um, I would recommend speaking to someone who like actually done it before. Mm-hmm. Like there's no like why reinvent the wheel? Like I'm right. I'm a huge believer in that. I'm not trying to reinvent anything, right? So why not seek out mentors and people who can help who have actual knowledge um in that area. And I think that'll save them some time and it'll save everyone some time, right? Because, yeah, I could probably figure out a lot of stuff if I, like, struggle through it. But, hey, yeah, it takes time and my dollar per hour is fairly high. So I'm not, I'm I'm not, (laughs) I don't, like, I know, I know finances, but I personally, like, I get other people to, you know, help me out. Um, Mm. And I know finances pretty well, so. But you're not too proud to ask someone for help, which is the, nope. the big piece. Right. And I think that's a big piece too. Cause you know, you see a lot of people who do need help and I, you know, there's some of them are very smart individuals who can figure it out, but I kind of, I use the analogy, yo, the, the person that figured out in a year because they got help and the person that figured it out in 10 years without help, y'all both in the same position. This person just has nine years to enjoy where you about to get in 10 years. Yep. It's like, so why would you, put yourself in a position to have to wait longer to, you know, reap the rewards of your work when all you got to do is ask questions. And I think that's a, that's something a lot of people struggle with. It's like, I don't want to ask them for help. I could do it myself. I got to say that I did it myself. And it's like, yo, no one's going to look less at the person who asked for help. Like, honestly, most people will probably look at them more favorably. Cause like, Oh, this person, they're easy to work with. They understand that it's okay to not have the answers. You just got to find the people to do and make yourself an asset to them. Like they're going to be an asset to you. Yep, absolutely. I read this book called Who Not How, and it, mm. it, it basically outlines that like um, you need to find the right who instead of trying to like do everything yourself and putting in more time. And, you know, that essentially takes away from like your family and you enjoying life. You send them here struggle doing your taxes or struggling on how to figure out, you know, how to um, organize your finances. And somebody already has the formula. Somebody already has done that. So um, it's it's really a matter of like finding the right who in your life to make your life easier. I haven't heard of that. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to read that and we can talk about it. It sounds like a good book, but um, you know, the last thing I want to get at is, you know, knowing that you are, you know, a family man, you congratulations uh, on your, on your new son, you know, baby G can't wait to come, come hang out with him and terrorize him. 
but um, <laughs> for sure. you know, for you now as a as a father and a and a husband, how does that how does that change your mentality around managing your personal finances for your family? Because I know you want to be able to provide. Like, how does how is how has that shifted your mindset when it comes to um, making you know financial plays and building that financial security for your family? If that makes um, sense. I would say I'm a, I'm a, a lot less risky now, but I was risky, you know, earlier starting off, off, but I always like believed in like sound like investing. So that's not going to change. Um, but I think the difference is um, just actually like educating like people in my family and when my son gets old enough, actually like giving him the tools. Yeah. He's going to have money because like through me and, and my wife, Lexi, but um, you know, a lot of people make a lot of money and they blow it. So, mm-hmm. um, just, just d- really digging down, um, and instilling that, uh, firm foundation of, you know, um, basic money management, um, you know, reading books is huge, mm. uh, things like that. Cause like I said, at the end of the day, you can give them, you know, your family a lot of money, but if they don't know what to do with it, it'll be gone in a matter of, you know, a year or two. So um, I think any wisdom that can be passed down is of great value. You know, that's actually a really good point. So me and Trust were having a conversation one day about generational wealth. And we kind of decided that one of the largest parts of generational wealth is knowledge. Yeah, because knowledge can transcend generations a lot farther than a dollar can. Yeah, and mentality. Yeah, knowledge mm -hmm. and mentality. Yeah. So... I'm I'm glad to hear you say that because that just means more people are realizing the same. And of course, it only makes sense because we all hang together anyways, right? Like, but yeah. we've never had this conversation until the show today, but we came to the same conclusion that, yo, the knowledge is the big piece. The rest will take care of itself. Like, you yeah. know, if something happens to me, you know, my family will be good, but also I know that they'll be able to carry on and continue building because the knowledge is there. Yeah, absolutely. So, and that's huge. I definitely, um, we gonna, we'll, we'll, I know we're going to get together soon, so we'll definitely have to plan that out. But, you know, before we end the show, you know, kind of let people know how they can get in touch with you and contact with you. Uh, and, you know, I don't know on the real estate side and, you know, maybe if they have questions about real estate investing or Airbnbs, how can they get in touch with you? Um, they can get in touch with me. Uh, if you want to just text me, I'm pretty open. My business phone is 757-831-0532. Um, they can find me on Facebook. Just type in my name. Uh, G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y, uh, Whiteside, W-H-I-T-E-S-I-D-E, or even on Instagram. And I go by uh, Joffrey, the realtor underscore. So that's how they can find me. I'm, I'm more than uh, happy to help anybody out with any real estate needs or any like business needs or, or really anything. Uh, he knows me pretty well. And I, I literally will help out pretty much anybody, which I should probably stop doing that because, you know, time is money, but I, I truly, you know, believe in giving back. So same, you know, that's why, that's why we homies, we both do the same thing, but I'll say for anyone listening, start doing the work. And this goes for anyone that you speak with, right? I want to tell everyone in here now, before you seek advice or help from someone, start doing the work yourself, start yeah. looking for information yourself. Don't look for that person to just walk you through everything have a plan like, Hey, look, I'm maybe you're stuck somewhere or maybe, but don't, don't go to someone expecting them to just give you the answers. Cause you need yeah. to show that you've put in the work prior to, because then they're going to respect you enough to want to help. And it's going to show, okay, they've done this on their own. I know that they're serious, right? The worst thing you can do 
is ask someone, ask for someone to give you their time and you waste it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> and you waste it. Don't waste people's time. All right. I want right. everyone to receive help, but you got to start doing the work yourself. Yep, absolutely. You got to speak that language before you even come to them. Because even if they give you, you know, some really solid advice, you're not going to understand it if you don't speak that language already. So it'll be wasting both of your time. Absolutely. So um, is there anything else you want to leave the listeners with before we get out of here today? No, nah, man, I really appreciate you having me on. Um, this is a pretty dope podcast. Definitely the best one I've been on so far. So I appreciate you, man. Hey, I appreciate you as well. You know, as always, appreciate you being a part of the In The Smoker family too. Um, but hey, for everyone listening, I appreciate you. Let's get in the smoke. Thank you for listening to The Finance Bro. If you feel like this episode has added value to you today, then please be sure to go to Amazon and purchase a copy of my book, The In The Smoker Mindset. You can also go to my website at www.inthesmoker.com and sign up for my budgeting course. You can also find more information on my financial coaching and credit repair services. And if you really want to help support the brand, you can also purchase some merchandise. Let people know what In The Smoker is about. All right. I hope to see you next week. Let's get in the smoking.